everybody, and welcome to another episode of You Haven't Seen That, a podcast where we watch films that I, Eric, missed during my childhood and formative years. Um, joined as always by my co-host Chris. Hi everybody. And Chris, what are we watching this time around? Uh, we are heading to Vietnam this time uh, yeah. with Robin Williams in Good Morning Vietnam. Picture a man going on a journey beyond sight and sound. He's entered the demilitarized zone. Good morning, Vietnam! Wow! I Time to rocket from the Delta to the DMZ. It's 0600. What's the O stand for? Oh, my God. In 1965, Adrian Cronauer was sent to do the impossible. What the hell's going on here? His mission? To build morale. Where are you from? Off of uh, Cleveland, man. Obviously, Vietnam's not that much of a change for you. His problem? Staying out of trouble. Sir, the man is a walking keg of dynamite. He's read unofficial news. Ethel Merman jams Russian radar. Hello, I've got a feeling. What's he going to be like in six months? Big dogs landing on my face. What's he going to be like when he's ten times as popular? Touchstone Pictures presents Robin Williams as Airman Adrian Cronauer, the wrong person. Very attractive man, ever saw. Don't think I haven't noticed. In the wrong place. This will not look good on a resume. At the right time. Yeah, so I, um, Robin Williams is such a big deal. Ooh. Obviously during our childhood and, and before we were born, he was, he was rising through then, he was massive through the 90s. and Oh, massive through the 70s with stand-up comedy and Mork and Mindy and things. He was just and such then... an important guy yeah. for so long. Mm. Um, and this was one of his real, in my eyes at least, I just remember this is one of those early-ish um, sort of ones of his that were real, like just real film defining. And, it, it's uh, a watershed moment for his career. This yeah, film, very much so. Um, so I, it seems to me like it's a pretty important one to kind of kind of catch this one. I always felt like I would have really enjoyed um, as a kid because I, I always thought Robin Williams was great comedy mm. wise. I yeah, this is a bit more probably aimed aimed at an older generation than say Flubber. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd be surprised. <laughs> um, but as well, I think another reason why I think this one is very important for people of our generation and kind of our age is the soundtrack. Like, I don't know a single person whose family didn't have this soundtrack. Well, you know one now, but Damn it. Um, <laughs> but um, we probably would have had all those songs spread across other vinyls and CDs and cassettes. Yeah. Um, so yeah that's one of the reasons I'm pumped for the film yeah it's just because Vietnam War movie soundtracks are always freaking awesome yeah let um, alone yeah well I was just about to spoil but um what do you know anything about the plot now, of this film I, I did already know a little bit but I did actually watch the trailer the other day ah oh, um, that's, that's against the rules Eric. I know it was, to sh- it was to show Tina yeah fair uh, enough my, my, my partner um just to say are you keen and she's keen mm. um but no, I did know that essentially he was a um, maverick kind of radio jock. Yeah. Um, in um, with the catchphrase "Good morning Vietnam," and um, people would tune in to listen to his show. So that was my understanding. I wasn't sure much if it, I got from the uh, from the trailer probably the additional thing of that he was maybe not what they were after in, mm-hmm. in, in the in the armed forces. You know, this isn't how we we broadcast. So I didn't ever really consider that side of things yeah but i i sort of always understood the plot line to be he is one of those um uh those entertainers that brings a bit of bit of humanity and laughter to the troops sort of like patch adams to the soldiers 
That's an interesting comparison. <laughs> that is interesting. I never really put those two together. It yeah. just popped into my mind. Then. That's good. I just yeah. pictured the Patch Adams DVD cover. So are you um, are you expecting a more like comedy driven film or? Um, I was expecting um, quite a lot of comedy, mm-hmm. and and still am. Um, but considering the setting in Vietnam, I, I surely I, I always expected there have to be quite a decent layer of heaviness to it. I'm not expecting Apocalypse Now Platoon. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, I'm, I'm ex- expecting, um, yeah, quite quite a lot of comedy, but I'm not sure how many. I th- I'm assuming Robin Williams will probably be, always assumed he was the funny man and everyone else around him was relatively straight-laced, a bit like Beverly Hills Cop in a way. Yeah. Um, and everything's just sort of, everything is pretty straight, but still on the same kind of page as him. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, any supporting actors you think you might recognise that jump out? What year was this film? A... I'll check. Um... 87. 87. Was it that late? Mm-hmm. Oh, see, I always would have thought it was early 80s. I'm not sure why. Mm. I, guess, I guess because I have it in my mind that it's a really, really early Robin Williams film. Yeah. It's clearly not that early. No. Um, <laughs> um, 87. Um, Brian Brown. Brian Brown. Okay, that's an that's an interesting <laughs> part. All right, I like that. No, I got no idea. Yeah. Why would he be there? This Australia was <laughs> in Vietnam as well. That's true. That's um, true. But um, um, Bill Paxton. Okay. Yeah, we haven't had a Paxton yet <laughs> show up this season, so, so yeah, he's got to float in at some time. <laughs> John Candy as well. <laughs> oh, there you go. That would just be a powerhouse. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But yeah, no, I um, I I, I know his Good Morning Vietnam catchphrase, and and particularly after seeing the trailer again, it's in that enough times. So yep. I'm sure it's going to be in my dreams tonight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I actually I don't really know what the the ongoing driving plot, what the actual narrative is. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, whether that'll be he, people trying to undermine him and go back to the regular ways, or whether he sort of actually starts to protest the war on the radio. Yeah, whether it be like it, it just a simple like him butting heads with his boss, or yes. if there's a deeper thing going or, on. Yeah, or if he starts to actually sort of start implanting in the soldiers' minds, "Why are you here?" Yeah, kind of thing. Not sure. So yeah, that, yeah really, really looking forward to it. Actually, just it's always those era films um, and like uh, set around Vietnam and those stuff are always really fascinating and, and with great soundtrack and performance mm. yeah well should we chuck it on then yeah let's do it here's a song coming your way right now Nowhere to Run To by Martha and the Vandellas yes Yeah, and that was good. I, I resisted the urge to do the <laughs> like yell into the microphone. Oh, uh, you just you could never do it justice. No, no, no one can. Nah. Hmm. Um, yeah, that was that was just really, um, really just well made and really enjoyable. Yeah, it's uh, it's that first. It really is the gateway Robin Williams film in the sense of yeah, it is like just him unleashed. For like two thirds of the film, yeah. Like a lot of it reminded me of his um, genie from Aladdin. Oh yeah, which is also which is just him just gone nuts, un- unleashed, yep. and they're like, "We'll animate around this." You yeah. just go. Um, but then it 
transitions really nicely and believably into drama. Yeah, and at a really good pace. Well-executed drama as mm. well, so... Yeah, exactly right. Um, like, when you... They give him a really good run, his first morning show. Yeah. They, they give that a big, long, extended burst. There's a lot of music. There's a lot of him just rambling and riffing and everything. Mm. Um... Um, you get you get a lot of it. You don't get like a little thirty second burst. <laughs> it, it's yeah, that's. It sounds weird to say, but it's if my if I were to complain about one thing in the film, it's, it's that's too long. It's a little bit too it much improv, yeah. and I, I am an, like a huge Robin Williams fan. Like I mm. grew up on his stand up and things. Yeah. Like I, I I love his stand up comedy, but it's just a little bit too, like if it was just a little tighter, <laughs> maybe. But yeah. that, I could be just an absolute madman saying that. Uh, no, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, it wouldn't need to be much tighter, but it, there's a lot there's a lot of it. Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, the, the transition from that then into the, the actual giving it a storyline. Like, yeah, that's... Yeah. Is, is, ...is the good thing. And, like, they obviously... The ultimate sort of message is that's that pretty standard America in Vietnam... Yeah, sort of, sort of overarching one, it's, and it's got its own sort of take and direction on that. Mm. Um, if there's any listeners out there uh, who, like Eric, had not seen the film, uh, just I guess quickly bring you up to speed on it. It's Robin Williams plays uh, Adrian Cronow, a uh, disc jockey who uh, gets transferred from Crete <laughs> yeah. to, to Vietnam, and uh, yeah, just kind of has his own style of doing a show yeah. uh, while he's there becomes enamoured with a uh, young lady and uh, befriends her brother and that leads to some issues yeah basically yeah it's a good way of summing it up mm, without uh, kind of going total spoilery yeah. but it's it, it is interesting in the sense that the film waits until about the halfway mark to really bring in a story yeah it took a while yeah, yeah. it did take a while and then I found once it did start to become a thing and it was just him chasing her, mm. I just felt it was really forced. Yeah, it's, that's what I was wondering. I was if like, it is... oh, they're just like fishing for a storyline. Yeah, right? that's the problem because it is just, like, it's a great idea of like a controversial disc jockey who's entertaining the troops in Vietnam. That's that's a that's a setting really in a character. Yes. There's, there's no story there. No. And you've, you, they've got the little bits of the elements of him, like, you know, butting heads with um, J.T. Walsh and Bruno Kirby. Uh, yeah. I totally forgot J.T. Walsh was in this film. Yeah, they're both good. Oh, by the way, you, you guessed uh, Brian Brown and it was Forrest Whitaker I was yeah. trying to get you to. <laughs> but as I was watching, I was thinking, man, how good would Brian Brown have been as one as just like... Instead of, uh, as much as I enjoy him, instead of Robert Wool. As the, as the um, other, um, the other funny guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Brian Brown actually would have worked in that situation. So. I know, and the like bad jokes would kind of work if it was an Aussie Larrikin doing yeah. it. <laughs> it would, have been, would have been great. Yeah, so, it wasn't such a bad suggestion, but um, we will talk about Forrest. Forrest was very good. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> but it is, it is very much like the first hour. You're like, cool, we have our character and our setting. Yeah. Where are we going? Yeah. And the introduction of the English class is where it kind of becomes interesting. And the, the girl, Trin, as well. Yeah. Let's start off with the fact that English is a fantastic language. Let's try a little phrase. Uh, I like to call, my boyfriend's back and there's going to be trouble. Hey, nah, hey, nah, my boyfriend's back. Can we try that one? Can we try my boyfriend back, anybody? 
Why do I feel like the miracle worker up here? Uh, uh. You're totally right. It's the idea of if it was just him chasing her. Yep. That's not a good movie. <laughs> no, and I'm glad that, that they addressed that really well. Like, mm. So he tried to chase Trin, this girl who he just fell in love with just like every other GI basically and I think that's probably what it was trying to make the statement of because mm. then um, after he, he took over the English class um, her brother intercepted and he's like no you know you're just trying to, you're just like an American trying to take advantage of her you forget the girl I'll let her say no she is a no that is what walking with you means hey I'm interested in the girl I'm not interested in you playing dear Abby I know because she's my sister I would have loved to buy you lunch, maybe look at a family album. So he had to sort of befriend the brother first, and he stood up for him with good intentions. It yeah, was, yeah. Something happened in the bar. It wasn't like he was just like, oh, I've got to get him on side. No, it, that, that's what makes it actually, that's a really great turning point, because it mean, it shows that Adrian is actually a good... Good guy. Good guy, yeah. and as well lectures the brother that, but no, he is just actually a decent person, so yeah. it is okay if my sister gets... And the best thing is that ties back into the overarching... Viet Cong link link storyline. So that serves multiple purposes. So Mm. it's really tightly done there. And then, um, yeah, ultimately he goes on a date with her. (laughs) The brother eventually sets it up for him. Um, And the whole family goes along and stuff. And you you, you do actually just realise, well, no, this isn't going to work, man. Yeah. Like, he's not just going to just purely take advantage of her. Yeah. He's he's taken the... The, the sort of tactful path, and he just realizes we're too different. And, and he has up. that little great moment where he says, just like, can't we just have fun and let it be what it is? And it's just like, no, it, it just is not going to It does not work that way here. Yeah. Hey, listen, I know there's no way. But it doesn't mean we can't have a few laughs. Hey, I'll take whatever you can give because I'm just happy to be with you. Yeah, it's him kind of learning to accept that and just enjoying the company for what it is, it seems, yeah. as well, which is The nice. company and the culture, and as a result, he actually befriends her brother. Yes. Um, whose name is... Tuan. Is that how we say it? Yeah, yeah I believe so. Tuan. Um, it ends up actually befriending him to the point where he becomes more important to the story than... Oh, yeah, I, I definitely more. think she is. Oh, sorry, he's way more important yeah. than she is. Yeah. So it's interesting that they use the, the Trin... To, to sort of almost get to Tuan and also get Robin Williams um, uh, involved in in the Vietnam and getting engaged with the Vietnamese culture yeah. and the, the soldier culture to the point where he hates the lies he has to tell. Yes, and the film like, in its third act does a really good job of actually getting him involved with the war, essentially. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's really not, yeah, what you were saying like about him having to cover up and not report... In Saigon today, according to official sources, nothing actually happened. One thing that didn't officially happen was a bomb didn't officially explode at 14.30 hours, unofficially destroying Jimmy Wall's cafe. Get him out of there! Three men were unofficially wounded, and two men whose identities are still not known at this time were unofficially dead. Break the goddamn door! You get the sense that, oh, it's it's almost going to be a network-esque story, I guess. Like, the idea of him fighting the establishment and letting... That's, that's what the fight is going to be. It's about the censorship and the covering up of news stories and yeah. things. But the film does a really good job of actually getting him out there and involved mm. in both the soldiers' lives and in the conflict itself. It's a layered movie. It's not just one core con- um, conflict in terms of storyline. And like that, that network sort of butting of heads thing is an important part of the storyline, as is him discovering 
um, what Vietnam, you know, discovering another culture and his, his, what he sort of takes as a betrayal of friendship. Um, and I had another one and I've forgotten it. <laughs> Damn it. Something about uh, the American involvement in general? Or? Um, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. It'll come, trust me, it'll come back. But yeah, I, th- I think it's really good that the film takes, take, makes an effort to deal with some deeper things because if it was just a light-hearted Robin Williams ad-libbing a bunch yeah. comedy, it would feel like such a cop-out, I think. Mm. And, in, like, you've got, like, such an interesting avenue to explore these themes yeah. and these aspects of, you know, the Vietnam War, and to choose to just <laughs> make silly improv jokes would be uh, a shame. Yeah, that would yeah. be a shame. No, what it does is it actually allows a, a fairly light... It, it, it lightens the mood while still giving quite a heavy sort of look into it without going like we're saying full on platoon yeah um you know <laughs> yeah. full metal jacket style mm. um uh, I, I remember now the other thing is um his his moment where he's not really wanting to broadcast anymore even when the, the soldiers want him back because he hates the lies he has to tell yeah and that moment where um where Forrest Whitaker's character um they get caught up with a troop convoy just in a street blockage and he he's like hey Guys, look! Look who I've got here. It's 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 um. What's his face? Adrian, um, and that's when he starts talking to the soldiers, and he actually realizes just the difference he can make just to cheering all these guys up. Yeah, and whilst he can't tell the news, the impact he can have on their lives. You guys, be careful. What's your name? My name is Louis Stryker. Louis Stryker, brother Stryker. Thank you, brother Stryker. John Donham. John Donham. Jay Snyder. Feels like a Musketeer show. Annette, <laughs> Cubby, Roy. Well, you guys, you take care of yourselves. I won't forget you. And that inspires him to then, of course, go and try and meet some in the field and... And then... Stuff goes wrong. Yeah. And it's interesting, like, him actually, like, the sense of... You know, again, we keep bringing up the story circle idea. But again, it's him at the bottom, like, thinking that he's not making a difference and, you know, he's not able to do anything here. And then seeing, like, the, you know, brilliant scene of him actually seeing physically that he is making a difference in these Mm. four guys' lives who are struggling in this horrible situation yeah and it doesn't put too much stress on how brutal it is no um but it like the this like scene... you you never re- like there's only that one montage to um the louis armstrong song yeah which was really well delivered actually. yeah like the timing it, it was meant to be sort of what you felt was like oh here's an uplifting moment he's gonna play another song and he dedicates it to those guys he met on the street as well yep Got some songs going out right now to a couple of guys on the road to Natrang. You know what I'm talking about. They're out there. Special song going out to you right now. And then the movie then, as, as it's, it's a beautiful world, um, wonderful world is playing, um, then it you know, goes to, to Natrang where those guys are going and follows some trucks and shows some Vietnamese villages and then shows them being blown up. Yeah. You're like, oh. And then the terrorism on the streets and things. and like. Yep, the ghost... Um, accused VC guys getting round up and shot and things like that. Yeah, and an American soldier harassing a woman, and mm. yeah, it's it's really it's that's like the transition point. You're like you yeah. think, you know, oh yeah, he's like had his low point, now he's coming back, and we're going to have a triumphant return. But instead, that's the point where the film shifts into a drama, essentially. Yeah, he's sort of he's like, oh, he finally, is, oh, he's he's seen enough of it now to realize exactly what's going on. Mm. Um. And up until that point as well, all the musical montages have been fun and playful. Exactly, yeah. And now 
It's back. He's behind the mic. Oh, we're getting a different type of montage that's helping us transition into. And what makes it quite a good montage is when he puts that song on, he looks very relaxed and happy. So yeah. that's why, as a viewer, you get led into it just expecting a just a slightly different pace kind of montage. Mm. Um, but then, of course, they juxtapose the beauty of the song. Uh, well, yeah, horrible images. Mm. Um, but um, jumping back to the the kind of precursor scene of him meeting all the uh, GIs in the street and mm. things, I think that's probably my favorite scene in of Robin Williams' performance. Yeah. Um you had a great comment when we were watching that Robin Williams makes can turn an outtake into a usable take so mm. effortlessly. Yeah. And that like, it's very clear it's him just improving and riffing with the guys, but at the same time he's doing it in character. Fully, yeah, exactly right. And you can see that he's actually becoming, like, Adrian's becoming emotional meeting these people and seeing the impact he has, and that's, it's it's really subtle little things that he does in the performance. Exactly, it's well edited too, I guess, because it keeps whatever they they thought, he obviously, they just said, all right, just go for it for a while, and filmed, I guess, they just rolled the cameras, chat away, Um, this is essentially like, you're obviously not going to, your character's not going to be all that happy to start with, and then it's going to dawn on him throughout. Yeah. But then the editors obviously had to then like take what worked and then weave it in, still kind of progress it all along and still end with him obviously looking happy and like he'd actually progressed within that scene. I think that would have been fascinating to see how they actually put that together. together, yeah. Because it's pretty rapid fire stuff as well. Mm. Well, do we want to use this point to discuss Robin's performance, I guess? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was really good. Like, like you said, like it's, it's, it's him sort of just, it's a Robin Williams going for it at certain times. Yeah. Um, and those times are fantastic. Um, like on the radio and things like that. And even just his interactions with his, um, English class and things like that. Mm. Um, but his actual dramatic performance was really good too. Yeah. Like it is the thing of, you think like the first thing that jumps to mind is the big finale scene that he has with Twan where it's like the, them yeah. confronting the two ideals but it is the smaller moments where Robin Williams really shines mm. I think and that's what kind of made him such a special actor was yeah. he he conveyed so much emotion by doing so little in scenes because yes. he explodes with comedic energy that when he you see him still yeah. that's when it's interesting and he's not like um He's not... I always put him in a similar boat as Jim Carrey because both of them are just such unique, unique, unique performers. But Jim Carrey, I picture, is so energetic and mobile. Whereas Robin Williams... He's not Jim Carrey in movement. No. Um, But what he can convey and express with his voice and just the energy in his voice and his pitch and his sound and... I, I, I would almost... I, I kind of want to argue that point against Robin Williams and movement. Yeah, and it's a different type of movement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is, very much so. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's probably... Um, Jim Carrey is very movement-dominated, is probably the... From what I... Um, I, yeah, I haven't no. seen all of his stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it is, I think... Like I was saying earlier, it is the kind of transition performance, because I think prior to this... 
you know, he'd obviously exploded from Mork and Mindy and things, and, mm. you know, but which he's, he was a one ca- one episode on Happy Days that they expanded into a four season TV spin. Yeah, I always find that amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's a ha- it's the Happy Days episode where a Martian comes. Oh no, he's from Ork. It's <laughs> 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 yeah. Like yeah, it's the weirdest, dumbest, like jumping the shark. I was going to say, had they already jumped the shark by that oh, stage? Like, yeah, if they're meeting an alien, they've jumped yeah, they'd already, that was a, a Fonzie jumped the shark. That was already. after that. Yeah. Um, but yeah so it was like a well and obviously a huge stand up but film like in terms of film he hadn't he'd done quite a few interesting performances Mm. like Robert Altman's Popeye which is tanked horribly but has kind of gone on to get a weird cult status yep and one of my personal favourites are The World According to Garp yeah I've heard good things about that the um, adaptation of the John Irving novel like Mm. I think that's that's a really un, unsung Robin Williams performance, and yeah. but it's more dramatic than it is comedy. Yes. This is truly the bridging the gap. And yeah. if you, I looked up on the, you know, his IMDb, and it was, you know, two years later, he's doing Dead Poet Society, which is a straight dramatic yeah. performance. So this really is like, yeah, he can do everything yeah, and really well. That jerk. Yeah. Um, yeah, those scenes, like, there's so many different scenes, but even that scene where he's getting discharged yeah. um, at the end, and he's he's trying to, he's like, oh, no, I'll take it to the top. And they're like, well, you can't. Um, and he's, yeah, he, you're right, his, his lack of motion in that scene really helps. Con- um, he is quite powerless, <clears throat> even though you know that he desperately wants to fight it. Um, and then the movie, then, after that, ends on a pretty lovely note with the baseball game. Yeah, yeah, and then um, uh, Forrest Whitaker taking over the show and things, yeah. and the nice goodbye to everyone. Yes, it's sweet. It's sweet. How good was Forrest Whitaker, by the way? He is great. Um, yeah. I'm quickly gonna like if you want keep vamping, <laughs> I'm gonna look yeah. up where this because this is. I mean, obviously post um, Fast Times at Richmond High. I was yeah, of course. He plays the um the quarterback whose car <laughs> Sean Penn <laughs> crashes. That's right. I always forget he's in that. Yeah, Fast Times is eighty two, and yeah. then yeah, it's things like you know an episode of Different Strokes, an episode of Trapper John MD, <laughs> episode of The Fall Guy. Oh, and God, of course, Platoon. Oh yeah, he's in that. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's got Platoon, Color of Money, and then this. Yeah. So, this is very much kind of establishing him as well. Yeah, he's such a gentle giant in this. He really is. I mean, in a lot of things, really. But um, I, I loved him, like his little nervous giggle and things like that. Like he's just he just had a character early on. Although the nervous giggle kind of disappeared throughout the film, and I don't know if that was his growth. Yes, I think I so. It was him it becoming was. more comfortable in himself, but still keeping the tick of act- keeping turning over a car, even though. It's yeah. So his character's not going to hundred percent change, but um, his little nervous giggle and his. You just knew that he was, he was quite a positive guy and a really, you know, even the way he was describing um, mm. the lieutenant and the um, the sergeant major and things like that. And just an innocent guy who just, you're like, you don't expect to see him in the armed forces. No. And I mean, a lot of that, the sort of radio show guys were like that. Mm. Um, and yeah, even just when he was, um, even on the bicycles, like he barely knows him. Oh, that was such a fun scene. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, all right, fine, let's buy a bike. Mine doesn't have a tire. I'm still following you. <laughs> yeah. Just needing to do my job and yeah. then, yeah, keep you on track. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and he's, his quiet loveliness is, like, just amplified in the moments when you see his, uh, his kind of earnestness come through and mm. his dedication for what 
they're doing, like both, like everyone at the radio station. Yeah, and what he believes in, like he's yeah. actually got, he's got something. Um, yeah, he's not just, even though he's a, a a relatively shy private who sort of does what he's told. He also is, he had like that first radio show, he's just giggling his head off. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, he's the one that instigates the scene with him at the, um, in the street with all the GIs and then yep. finally exploding at him, like I think before that, exploding at him about you have an opportunity to do something here special yeah. here and you're, you know, turning your back on that. It's, I can't believe you! What? I sit! You don't leave the whole fucking thing behind. You leave everything fucking hanging. People are depending on you! Edward, please. That's two nasty words in one year. Yeah, he got inspired and, um... He, he almost is, I dare to say, is like the emotional core of the film to some degree. Yeah, yeah, he kind of is actually because he moves with... Adrian, as as, you, as the people kind of get invested behind him, and then Adrian gets disinvested because of the way he's treated mm. and things, and what he sees, um, and um, Garlic is able to see the broader picture and things, yeah. and the impact that he's making, and, and line him up and say, "This happens all the time." Yeah, yeah, that's that's. We, we're in a war. We're in a war, man. Yeah, like we know you came from Crete and we're having a great time there, but but make do. You you can do something special here well, and actually make a difference. Half a million Americans are here right now. Yeah. <laughs> mm. not having a great time and you're brightening their mornings and afternoons yeah and countering with uh, like kind of I guess the pendulum swing back the opposite way yeah. of like if the loveliness of Forrest Whitaker the harshness of J.T. Walsh as uh, oh, yeah. Sergeant Major I forgot he was in this film and I I'm a, I love J.T. Walsh he was yeah. such a wonderful character actor um, I, I was giggling to myself watching this thinking like man he's it it's like this is the same character in A Few Good Men <laughs> like essentially oh, yeah. like the hard ass sergeant like yeah he's so good at playing that role yeah and like he's one of the few characters in this who does not even have the slightest hint of humour yeah um, because um, uh, the um, lieutenant Noble Willingham who I again oh, no, totally no, not, forgot not, was... not the general sorry oh um, sorry yeah um, your, your favourite guy oh Bruno Kirby yeah <laughs> Lieutenant Hawke um he he is hilarious through his straightness. Yeah, uh, but like the thing is, he, he thinks he's genuinely funny. Yeah, his character thinks he's hilarious. He's not funny in the slightest, but his performance is brilliant. Hello, Vietnam, and greetings. Soon, the news. Then, Lieutenant Steve, Lieutenant Steve. Who's that? It's me, your old pal Frenchie. Listen, Frenchie. Let me ask you something. Do you like good food? Oh, but, but of course, uh, the French love good food. Well, uh, then I guess that would make you an Edie Gourmet. <laughs> oh, Lieutenant Steve. Oh, Frenchie. Oh, Lieutenant Steve. I love, love, love Bruno Kirby. Yeah. Um, again, one of those weird character actors. Yeah. I was waiting for, like, throughout this for you to be like, is that young Clemenza from Godfather 2? <laughs> Oh, I never would have picked that up. Yeah, that was kind of his first big thing. But, I mean, yeah. God, yeah, I know him from, like, one of my favorite movies, When Harry Met Sally. Um, oh, yeah. You know, he's in City Slickers, um, Modern Romance, the other Brooks film, like, yep. Sleepers, the other Barry. Like, yeah, great, great, great actor he was. Um, yeah. And he is sublime in this film. Yeah, and him and... Um, and... Um, Sergeant Major Dickerson. I've just yes. looked it up. Yeah, J.T. Walsh. I can never yeah. remember that. So many... So many abbreviations yeah. and military names. Um, so, so many. So they're both straight characters, 
the difference is the way that they're, they're used. Um, Lieutenant Hawk is totally delivered straight, but he's a comedic. He's a foil. A, he's a foil. And then, um, and then, yeah, Dickerson um, is just, just pure. He's not like anyone else in the film. And it works really, it works beautifully because like, no, nah, what this guy actually says and does has impact. Mm. Um, yeah, he's got like, yeah, what he, he like, Hawk can't do anything. No, you he know he's He has you know, no actual real power. He's powerless. He's not an, a, a bad man. He's a powerless authority. Yeah, and then, he's not a bad guy. He's not going to like bend the law. He's just, he's just following the book. Yeah. Yeah. And he just wants to get saluted a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. Um, but his his radio show performance is oh, amazing. Oh, that is so good slash terrible. God bless him for his commitment to that. Yeah. Like doing those and with the ho- honking oh, horn. honking the horn. What a touch. Oh god. I just love the guys in the sound booth cringing each time and like it's like what's he doing? And the punctuation on that scene as well. Yes, <laughs> it's so funny. Oh. So good. And mm. then his poker music. Yeah, it's, he's doing nothing but poker. Yeah, it's pure poker. And it's then he's like, like his defense to the general is like, I thought a few of the men would enjoy some poker. Who? <laughs> and as far as pokers, they are a much maligned musical taste. Oh, God. Yeah, he's, a, nah, he's brilliant. Really, really good. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. We're... Well, soundtrack, I guess, is something we, we have to address. Yeah, that um, is true. Yeah. Um, because it just, it used it well, like the soundtrack, I thought. Like, it's, it's really obviously, like, perfect, perfect timepiece stuff. And it was none of that, like, you know, some... some. You didn't have any of the doors. N- yeah, no, none of the doors. No Rolling Stones. You don't have... No CCR. Like, yeah. No, no, none of the anti-war songs. Yeah, none of the... Yeah, none of the music you hear in... Every Vietnam War film. Yeah, and instead you've got, like, Martha and the Vandellas and yeah. the Castaways. The Castaways, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're just, they're just great, fun songs. Um, you've got James Brown. Mm. Like, they're actually just fun songs, and they match the, the, the show. They're not in there to be... Um, hey, we're setting a time and place where it's actually... Yeah, it's not like... I mean, you're not playing Fortunate Son yeah. to, to, to ram home the message and thing like that. Or just to ram home, we're a Vietnam War film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and that's that's what this song was written about. Um, your, your, yeah, it's just time-specific, enjoyable songs that the soldiers probably want to hear. Yeah. Um, and that, it's just... Well, I mean, that's why they're tuning into the radio show. It is to... Like, essentially have a relief from... Yeah, it's just something that isn't, like, sitting in the jungle waiting to be shot at. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, no, nah, re- really fun soundtrack. Some, some good, sort of, softer ones. I actually don't remember the score all that well. Was there much of a score? I'm assuming there was. Not really. I don't... I'm sure there is in there somewhere. But, but... I, it was just... At, at the very least, it was covered up by enough... Um, enough seven-inch seven singles. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that uh, it didn't, didn't really get a chance to... Or didn't need to shine through. No, no, because it is such a memorable soundtrack. And mm. Yeah, yeah. I would say it. Start hunting for it. <laughs> it's a, it's an easy record to find. Yeah, it's, it's a good one because they intersplice uh, in between each song. It's him doing the um, in, in, oh, perfect, like you know, right. introing each track. So. Keep a little eye out for that one. Mm. Um, and the must actually be interesting once we get to the the budget as well. They actually, you know, they had some pretty big setup scenes of like. Um, Shots of, um, like early on, they would just had a couple of shots of Blackhawks flying around, little patrol boats on the river. Mm. Um, but towards the end, when they're into those more serious ones, they had like pretty well 
put together US firebase kind of setups and the, the airfield at least they, I think they used the cameras cleverly but they had a couple of big transport air, aircraft oh yeah there. yeah like, they, they had a couple there they so. didn't they didn't half hard it they, no. it looked very you know really really quite well done mm. well I think yeah Barry Levinson had kind of built up enough kind of credibility as a director to be able to be given a good enough budget to make and you know you can't like you said you can't half ass this film you've got to do it properly yeah they yeah. actually went over and filmed in Vietnam and they did so, did yeah. that yeah I was wondering that because I was looking at the um, the actors names and um, yeah it looks like um, Tuan I think he was he, he seems to be Vietnamese I'm not sure about Trin though but um, mm. she doesn't even barely even shows up no she's Thai but anyway still still local yeah I think I think they filmed in Vietnam and then Thailand as well yep. like they kind of alternated between the two so yeah depending on what they needed yeah but yeah I don't know as a as a kid I think yeah, I, I was... really really enjoyed that mm. um it would have been um yeah it just it would have been a lot of fun and it also but also would have been had enough substance to it that I also would have really en- enjoyed that side of things like yeah if I watched it when I was six I don't think it would have been that keen but yeah. <laughs> That makes me think, uh, a friend of ours, um, James, he he grew up really heavily on the soundtrack to the point that he, as like a little six, seven-year-old, memorized all of the interstitial bits. Oh, wow, really? And, and used to like recite them in front of his like parents and their friends, and they thought it was hilarious as that this little six-year-old. Just, just Robin Williams in it. Just being like, not now, with a girl. <laughs> like, part of him. Like... <laughs> I could picture him doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. But yeah, I, th- I think that that's kind of me making the point of like when you're a little kid watching this mm. film, you, you connect with the comedy and the lighthearted parts. Yes. And then I think the back third of the film, you would kind of there's not as check much out to some you, degree. You watch it through, but it definitely lightens up on that. So mm. the first, exactly, the first two thirds would, would keep you hooked, no like even from a quite a young age. Yeah. But um, the the final third would probably lose you a bit. But um, how would you rate this in terms of? I, I know you haven't seen that many, but mm. in terms of like the Robin Williams canon or the oeuvre, if you will, you love that word. I do. It's, it's a good. It is a good, <laughs> a good one. one. Um, oh, I I don't think I've seen enough to be able to. Um, would, to would you put this kind of towards the top of what you have seen? Yeah, or? yeah, definitely. Just yeah. just from like it's such a um, like his his ability to be funny um and just you just felt it was a consistent character throughout the film mm. and his his riffing and stuff stayed within the boundaries of the film yeah because he's so good at that he doesn't just look like oh that's just him just having a freestyle yeah um and then like when he got um it, it doesn't delve into like the Judd Apatow-esque kind of thing where you're just like enough with the improv already. yeah this is clearly improv and it's yeah. not very funny improv or it's it's fluctuating yeah um like no no this I, I'm sure it's improv but it's not but it's within the constructs of yeah, the, yeah it's within the constructs and then like yeah when he goes to his more dramatic phases um then that's great and then when he's like really upset and angry at the end that's, that's Robin Williams going off the, off the hammer a bit like in Hook yeah um, <laughs> yeah so he's like no his character's moves and I think just from consistency and the, the number of levels he comes from mm. and he felt like he genuinely like Robin Williams probably himself you genuinely think he be- believed he attached with these these people like the way he just gets along with his English class and like that baseball game and that mm. guy that the, um, 
who is like really oh. wants an actual baseball. The, the, I, I I refer to him as the spokesperson for the class because yes. he, he has one little moment in the classroom, and I'm sure ever since then Barry Levinson was just like this guy. This guy is awesome, and I'm sure Robin was just like, oh, I can play, I can off. work off this, yeah. yeah. So fun. Yeah, that guy was obviously not afraid to talk because obviously they, I guess they cast for just a bunch of um, Vietnamese, just um, local actors, local actors, extras, extras yeah. who could speak enough English mm. and um, and just just go with it. Yeah, and that guy was obviously happy enough or just got whatever to just go straight back. And, yeah. um, <laughs> just, just play <laughs> and um, yeah, that, yeah. Ron Williams is um, like the baseball kind of scene kind of sums it up really well. Like the English back and forth class stuff was different because it was him in front of a group but um with the one-on-one stuff with the baseballs just thought that was really a nice little finish a real baseball is much smaller and harder than than this one you got me there Wilk, because i'm sorry we have no budget you see and i mm-hmm. gotta get on a plane and mm-hmm. we have to do with what we can yeah. give me your hand thank you mm-hmm. oh, oh thank you thank you all the same thank you all the same mm-hmm. and what you want to take the ball no okay well, we gotta play Wilk. you're pitching there's I'm only turning the ball to the, to the original place. Okay, let's take yeah. one more ball here. No. This one's a better one. No. Not that no one? Need. We haven't got a real baseball, Will. Bear with me, okay? Okay. We haven't got the money, pal. Anyway. We could... Okay, that one okay? I said that this is a very good substitute. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's just play with the substitute then, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a deal. <laughs> the deal? That's a deal. Okay, take the ball with you then, Will. I'll give you money if you take okay. the ball. No. No? I'm sorry. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm no more Is sorry. there a psychiatrist here? <laughs> After being a very important and deep conclusion of the film, it did need a little light-hearted point. It, it was a really it nice. Kind of reminds you, we are kind of making a we're making a comedy at the end yeah, of the day. We're not trying to send you home in tears. Yeah, um, or really sad. Because if, um, if it did just have that bleakness, you'd be a bit like, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> basically. Mm. Uh, well, I don't have any alternate casting because who else could do this film but him? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but would you like to hear a little bit about? Uh, the budget and things. Yeah. Uh, so I had a budget of thirteen million. So less. Like yeah. it's not that okay. much. Yeah, I thought it might have had a bit more, just considering that. But I guess the settings and stuff weren't too complicated. So. Yeah. Uh, it went on to gross a hundred and twenty-three point nine million at the U.S. box office. Wow. Okay. Making it the fourth highest-grossing film of nineteen eighty-seven. Yep. Uh, beating previous films that we've done, uh, Dirty Dancing. Oh, I did it. That was number 11. Yeah, so. fair enough. Uh, I found this absolutely weird, though. The number one film in the like global box office for 1987, Three Men and a Baby. Yeah, that's right. We spoke about this with what? Dirty Dancing. Why was that? How did that film make nearly $170 million? Yeah, how did that... I don't know. I don't know what it was riding on, but... Good old Leonard Nimoy directing, I guess. Still, yeah. I mean, like... <laughs> yeah, that... It's a very interesting one, that one, because mm. some of the others just been quite obvious. Yeah. You're just like, yeah, E.T. E.T., yeah, like, sure. Yeah. Return but of the Jedi, of course. Three men and a baby. Yeah. We almost need to put that yeah, on the list I know, I almost now. feel like just, we have to. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Robin Williams was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actor. Uh, it was his first nomination, actually. Yeah, okay. Uh, and he won the Golden Globe. Yep. Uh, the film was also nominated for two BAFTAs, uh, Best Actor and Best Sound. Mm-hmm. And the soundtrack won a Grammy. Oh, of course. Yeah. Good. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Mm. Well, um, yeah, no, no, that was just, um, uh, yeah. Good, it's a good solid one. Yeah, a good, solid, enjoyable one. It's it's a couple of hours long, so, you know, I'd watch it again, but I wouldn't be like, oh, craving it, but yeah. I'm not like that with many films, so, you know. No. And again, like, this wouldn't be, 
like this isn't my go-to Robin Williams film, I guess. No. But, but um, I think it's good that we've done it, so now we can kind of splinter off and we can do some more of the dramatic stuff and, and some more of the silly stuff. And Yeah, exactly right. Like, like I was saying at the start, it's just one of those really, um, well, like I said, it's his real, real breakout yeah. that just like exploded him. It made him a movie star. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. It got an Oscar nomination, I mean, you know. <laughs> not, yeah, for Best Actor. It's yeah. not just, yeah, winning the Golden Globe for Best Comedy is, yeah, not taking away from that. No, that's pretty still. good. But Best Actor, that's, that's you know... Mm. That's a, that's a good effort. <laughs> yeah. I have a feeling he lost to um, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis from my left foot. Seems about the right time. Yeah, I could be wrong with that, but that's just off the top of my head, I guess. Yeah, so he just bad, bad timing, came up against the Day-Lewis Yeah, you, you don't go up against DDL. That's, no. that's not going to work. <laughs> um, but I guess it's about that time we pick uh, the next film. Yep. Um, okay, so next time we're going to be doing Rambo. First Blood. Oh. <laughs> of course yes of course it's written down Rambo I know I know but we're doing the first one it's first blood you're pranking me <laughs> I just want to confuse you like the titles of all of those films confuse all the audience oh man <laughs> no that's good well um from one Vietnam to the next I guess but uh mm. spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> well um no I'm looking forward to that that's that's one of those ones that's you know is this our first like action for this I think for this round, it, yeah. I believe so. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Well, that'll be a bit of fun. Uh, tune in for that, I guess. Mm-hmm. But unless you've got anything else for Good Morning Vietnam, that'll wrap us up. I think that's it. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, for this week's episode, I'm Chris. I'm Eric. Uh, we'll catch you next time for Rambo. First blood. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library.